Hello and welcome to another episode of Preview Review. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tyler Ellison. And I'm the second and final co-host that you'll ever need, Ryan Toon. Well, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes we've needed other co-hosts in the past. No, they're all superfluous. Okay, fine. <laughs> they only need us. It's, it's like a bonus privilege when they get someone else. That's you true. know, like a necessity versus a privilege. Oh, I see. Okay, so th- we are necessary to the existence of the podcast, but the others are just, they're, it's, they're adornments. Yes, and it's like, okay. it's nice when they're there, but you don't need it. You know, or else we would have like ended this podcast a long time ago when we realized you and I were not enough to sustain this podcast. <laughs> I guess that's true. Well, we are once again recording this podcast through the means of technology slash apparition that we very loosely well, laid out with uh, some lore in a couple episodes <laughs> ago. Yes, please check our fan wiki for all the lore about astral projection. Oh, astral that projection, means. that's what it was. Um, but really what this means is that we're just recording through, um, you know, online video chat services. So, yeah. you know, if this podcast doesn't sound like the truly high and professional audio quality that it usually does, um, just bear with us because we're just, uh, we're just working through some kinks. Ryan has to be home right now and... And, and I'm not going to go there. So No, Tyler, you shouldn't come over <laughs> for your safety. Um, this is because, as I would have never anticipated, we're still in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. Um, it's still taking control of our lives. Sometimes I lay awake at night and I wonder, what have we done to deserve this? When will this ever end? Have our lives changed permanently forever? And eventually I drift off into a dreamless sleep. Well, the nice thing about this, Tyler, is uh, this is probably the last podcast we'll record during uh, the Trump administration. This is true. Unless you released in the Biden administration. Unless the, you know, crazy right-wing conspiracy theories of, you know. Oh, we have to stop the steal. <laughs> of that Inauguration Day is now going to be a mass arrest event uh, to charge all the Democrats with the uh, the crimes that there's apparently mountains of evidence for um or i saw one that like there's a weird face-off thing where they're saying like trump and biden have agreed to a deal and they've now surgically switched like switched faces wait trump will be inaugurated for another term under the guise of it being biden and trump will be charged with crimes and thrown in jail but it's really biden it's really biden like they got some like uh weird yeah like face-off what yeah these QAnon theories are getting out of hand I mean, it, it might have just been a Twitter gag, but it, it looked real, so... I, and at this point, I'm having a hard time telling the difference. It's hard to even separate the trolls within mm-hmm. the conspiracy community uh, from the real stuff, because people will just see it and believe it one way or the other. Well, it's interesting. I don't know. We're in the weird age of information, where I love Twitter because it gives me all the information I need, but then I hate Twitter because it gives me all the like stupid conspiracy theories... But then I also love Twitter because it has everybody making fun of the stupid conspiracy theories. And yes. what what other time period in the world are you going to have all of that at your fingertips and consume it within the, like 20 seconds? Precisely. What we're getting at here is really um, that COVID is a hoax and it was all made so that all these movies could get delayed so that the screenwriters would have more time to like edit their scripts and make these movies the perfect movie. 
it's I like think, all I think it was over. all just an inside attempt to get to try and hinder this podcast. They it's knew true. this podcast they, thrived they too powerful on regularity and predictability of film releases. And if they wanted to kneecap us, they would need to find a way to disrupt that release schedule. And the only way to do that would be to <laughs> unleash a deadly virus <laughs> to completely well, handicap and overhaul the film industry globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they the, knew that most likely, to- most likely by this one dude that seemed to hate me freshman year in college and is probably success, uh, jealous that I have a successful podcast Very and, successful. And, 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 you know, engineered this in a lab, uh, the COVID that is, um, oh, yeah. to, to try and take this down. But jokes on you, we found a way to adapt and, exactly. and they knew that's as the successful, perfect- we're just as successful now in the midst of a pandemic as this podcast was pre-pandemic so it just goes to show that we are the masters of flexibility and adaptability um and we're king podcasters and we'll have to carry that forward uh through this year because it's not like things are going to go back to normal anytime soon well um didn't you know it's 2021 which means every problem we had in 2020 stays in 2020 we get a new page because that's how calendar years work yeah, uh, um, everyone was so excited to celebrate the new year of 2021, and I'm like, this is just, this is, this year's just still gonna be. I mean, we got the freaking, you know, capital riot in the first week of the year, so it's not looking good. Honestly, so far, I think 2021 for me has been worse than 2020, and I'm sure that's not true for a lot of people. But I just want to be there. If your 2021 is already worse than 2020, you're not alone. Well, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Vaccine distribution and manufacturing is happening. It's true. Once um, I'm out of quarantine, I can actually go get the vaccine. So, you know. Like, I'm in 1A, which is crazy. Maybe um, this is maybe this is our time. This is the comeback of humanity. Um, ooh, like 2020 was our Empire Strikes Back, but 2021 is our Return of the Jedi. Ooh, I like it. That's a, that's a good analogy. Exactly. But anyway, 2021 is here. It's happening. They tell us movies will be released in theaters, and we want to believe them because all we have at this point is hope. Um, wow. So, Tyler, knowing that movies are scheduled to be released, I want to know, what is your most anticipated film of 2021? It could be a movie that was supposed to come out in 2020, but is now coming out in 2021. Or it could be like a movie that was already planned to be in 2021 and wasn't really affected by COVID, except for like filming delays and other crap. Gee, Ryan, this is a good question. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm really excited for, I, I thought that, I, I mean, you and I both know the level of storytelling that was, that has been brought forward by the Marvel Cinematic Universe of, since 2008 and the release of Iron Man has been absolutely phenomenal. And it culminated really spectacularly with the release of Avengers Endgame um, in 2019. I thought that that movie was really, really good. Kind of you capped off that whole saga very well. Um, then Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home was also mm-hmm. really good. Um, and, you know, we were looking forward to Black Widow last year and still pushed 2021. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think if I'm really going to pick something I'm looking forward to, I want to see what the next chapter of Marvel movies is going to look like. And so I'm picking something like Shang-Chi or the Eternals oh, to be okay. most looking forward to this year just because I want like I really just the first three phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe were incredible 
Um, and even though it's not like, you know, it's not the most like film bro-y answer, like you can say what you will about like the, you know, whatever Scorsese take on Marvel films that they're not, you know. Oh, they're roller coaster rides. Um, and they're just like thrills. But there is some really great storytelling, some great character performances that will be forever iconic and legendary in American filmmaking. Um, and I'm excited to see where they take this. Hopefully, I, what I want to see is them continue to challenge and break the mold of this formula they've established in the first three phases and try and, like, it seems like WandaVision, I haven't watched it yet, but you and I were just catching up about it because you watched the first two episodes. It seems like they're doing something different with it. And so hopefully they take that into their film approach as well and say, this formula, this kind of approach has been super successful for us, but how can we continue to change that, disrupt that, while also maintaining all the, like, great things about the storytelling that we can pull off? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, the Marvel movies are, like, one of the big things I'm looking forward to coming back to the theater for because honestly, if you think about it, the last moment of true harmony and bliss that society and humanity has as a whole was Avengers Endgame when Captain America was dual wielding the hammer and his shield. Yes, exactly. Everyone cried and cheered and it was just and what I think the a, movies were made for. I think a big part of it too is like being, you know, having been removed from the theatrical experience for so long, I look back on the experience of watching Endgame opening weekend so fondly because of the incredible amount of community and like the, that experience of being in the theater with other fans just cheering and laughing and crying at the same things in the theater. I, like that's the experience I want to have again when theaters reopen, when we're able to be back mm -hmm. in the cinemas, you know? Yeah. And it was like such an experience that like even before all this was going to happen i went and saw that movie three times in the theater and that movie's like three hours long that's how committed i was and how like enamored i was with the feeling of the communal experience of cinema and yeah martin sarskazy it was cinema fuck you <laughs> um, i have two answers to the question i posed of what my most anticipated movies are and one of them was a uh, is a marvel movie but it's, it's one that you didn't mention. It's a uh, Spider-Man three. And Oh yeah, of course. Uh, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. So of course I'm excited for Spider-Man three and there's all these rumors and like set leaks and stuff saying that like, it's possibly like a live action Spider-Verse thing with like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield returning, but we don't, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it looks really cool and exciting. And I think it was always set to come out in 2021 but now I'm more excited for it, and I don't know. I just love Spider-Man. And then um, my second answer isn't a Marvel movie, but it's another big blockbuster action franchise, um, and it's Mission Impossible 7. And I don't know. The Mission Impossible movies just, they get better every single time. Mission Impossible 6 was the best movie in the franchise. What other franchise can you say, like, the sixth movie released is the best one? Like, it's wild. Um, Tom Cruise is on, like, there's been leaks on Twitter that he's very, uh, you know, upset that people aren't following COVID protocols on Twitter. Have you heard those leaks, Tyler? Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. But it kind of makes me, like, respect him more that he takes it so seriously. Um, and I don't care that he saw Tenet in a theater now, but he, because he was there with a mask and he did it right. And, you know, he was just trying to save the thing he loved, you know? And now I can tell that he's really taking it seriously and he wants the film to come out for us, the fans, for me. Tom is fighting for me, Tyler. <laughs> and yeah, and these movies, both of my picks, 
like I said, Spider-Man 3 and Mission Impossible 7, like that's how far out they are. They don't even have like titles yet. These are just things we're calling them because we don't know the true title yet. So I'm excited for movies that have no marketing or trailers, which, you know, doesn't really like give me credibility as a trailer critic, but hey, um, it's what's in my heart. Yeah, well, and I'm also sure like some of the best films of 2021 that will come out this year have have not even been like mentioned yet. You know what I mean? Like just because I think a lot of attention is turned towards these franchise films that have been planned out to come out this year for a long time. But sometimes there's like the random like A24 movie or whatever that's just like, oh, by the way, we're putting this out this year and it ends up being really good. So mm-hmm. we'll also have to keep our eyes out and see what else. Maybe, maybe now we'll put a pin in this and, and then we'll revisit at the end of the year and say, you know, what was the what was the, the pleasant surprise that you weren't expecting exactly uh, to come out this year that you really enjoyed? It's weird. I remember we asked this question last year at the beginning of the year, and I don't remember what your answer was, but my answer was Birds of Prey, and it was one of the only movies that got to come out in a the theater. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> we were still talking about Black Widow back then. Fuck COVID. I know, this is wild. <laughs> it feels like, in so many ways, it feels like time around movie releases and stuff has like paused because we're still talking about like stuff that was getting hyped this time last year mm-hmm. um but also in so many ways things have changed so rapidly like new deals with streaming services and digital releases and all this type of stuff that i would have like without covid would have never happened this quickly uh mm-hmm. these shifts to the to the film release landscape and the industry as a whole yeah. um but yeah absolutely it's wild ourselves it's changed me tyler I no longer have a Netflix bias. I've watched so many great films on Netflix this past <laughs> year. I, I'm like, wow. The Trial of the Chicago 7, The Five Bloods, um, they were great. And they were Netflix movies. I don't know if they were always planned to be Netflix movies, but Netflix released them. And my streaming bias has been chipped away at throughout this year. Just it's changed me too because to I feel like I've watched less movies just because I haven't been able to go to the theater to watch them. Um, well, I definitely watched less movies, but I tried to watch, I tried to keep up my quota, but the only way to do that was through these streaming services. Like, what is that? I watched Call of the Wild on HBO Max just because I wanted to watch a movie I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Like, it wasn't great. I don't recommend it, but it's something that my life has brought me to this point where I want to see new movies and I'm going to watch Call of the Wild on HBO Max. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been sucked into like just this mode of like not really caring or noticing new releases on streaming because I feel like it's hard to keep up with like the things that are coming out across three or four or five different streaming services as just to like go to the theater week after week and be like, oh, now that's playing. I can, I'll go see that next time or whatever type of thing. Like, it feels like it's harder to keep up with everything. Um, exactly. And especially with, like home releases. Netflix. Because like Netflix, I don't know, they like put out like two movies a week, it feels like sometimes. And the, and the previews. We're missing the most important part. Like, I don't get to sit in the theater and first be inundated with 20 minutes of here's other exciting movies that are kind of usually sometimes related to what you're about to see, but also sometimes not, um, that you might enjoy and want to come back to the movies for. And you don't get that when you watch a movie at home on Netflix. So I'm not really left with like, oh, this is the next thing I want to watch when it comes out or whatever. It's just kind of like an isolated incident. Um, so it's super weird. Super like uh, 
HBO Max sometimes will put like a little trailer for something before your movie. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just something random that's on HBO Max. Like, yeah, cool. I want to watch. Uh, I don't know what's on HBO Max right now. Wonder Woman. But the trailer I see before it is for Search Party, a TV show that is not a movie and has very drastically different tone than Wonder Woman 1984. Right. Yeah. It isn't really curated to the movie you're watching. It's just like, hey, this is another thing that's on our platform that you can watch. And it's like, cool. But, like, that's not helping me. Yeah, totally. I love Search Party, by the way, but, like, that's unrelated. (laughs) All right. Well, before we move forward with the rest of the content for today's episode, we have to back up a little bit because there have been movies that we've previously preview-reviewed that we have now seen. Um, And so now we got to go and get your take on it. So this is our standard segment that we call Ryan's Review Roundup. Ryan, what'd you see? What'd you think? All right. We've previously preview-reviewed lots of movies, but the ones I've seen that we've talked about that I can talk about my opinions on are Wonder Woman 1984, We Can Be Heroes, and Soul. Um, I think you've seen at least one of these movies, um, so you can talk about it. I've seen well. I've seen We Can Be Heroes and I've seen Soul. I have oh, still yet to watch Wonder Woman 1984. How did you, when we did our episode about Soul, you were like, I'm going to watch Wonder Woman first. <laughs> yeah, no. Then, then, my, then my my Twitter feed started shitting on it, and now I'm scared to watch it. Okay, so I'll talk about Wonder Woman. I understand the criticisms. It's gotten a lot of hate on Twitter and other things like that, and I think it succeeds in what it's trying to do, which is just to be a fun superhero movie, a really throwback to like the classic Superman, like uh, what's his name? Who was the original? Or Reeves. Yeah, Reeves. Um, it's like his kind of movies. Like, they're fun, and they're hokey, and you don't take them too seriously. It's like a comic book, you know? You read it, you enjoy it, you have fun, you don't think about it too much afterwards, and you're going to be fine. But the more you think about it, and the more you pick it apart, the more it doesn't hold up. But if you just are there for the ride, I think Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot did a great job of bringing this movie to us, like, and telling the story they wanted to tell. Um, It's really clear, like, from watching this movie that they're like they wanted to show a superhero movie where like the superhero doesn't always have to use violence to solve the problem and for some people that like you know hey i came to watch a superhero movie and like i got maybe 20 minutes of action in my two and a half hour movie what the heck but i don't know i enjoyed it uh i'd recommend it if you have hbo max and haven't watched it yet watch it for yourself see what you think um next i saw we can be heroes which is the shark boy and lava girl sort of sequel and um it's exactly what you think it would be it's a decent kids film it wasn't made for me but if you have kids and want to share this movie with them i wouldn't begrudge you for doing so um but if you're you know my age a 25 year old who watched shark boy and lava girl when he was a kid um and you're like oh i want to see these characters again it's probably not worth your time. Well, it's like they took Sharkboy and Lava Girl and they were like, let's make another movie. And yeah, I made this other movie that has these two things as characters. And we'll just reuse the names, but they're not really the same entities or characters that they were in the first movie. So it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, if you're looking... Sorry. If like you're looking the, un- for- the universe they exist in is different. Like the first movie was like all taking place in this dream world where Sharkboy and Lava Girl were like fictional characters that were jumped up by this kid to like help him through this like dream adventure. And now they're like 
real life legit superheroes that are living amongst humans like a you know the boys situation or whatever type of thing and also if you are shark boy and lava girl and you're old enough to have a kid wouldn't you want to be called like lava woman or shark man i feel like you'd retire the boy and girl part of your name yeah that makes sense you know i don't know i don't want to be like how old is shark boy in this movie probably like 40 or something like that i don't want to be a 40 year old called boy but yeah it's fine it's fun uh watch it with your kids if you don't have kids uh and you think this is interesting i don't know maybe try it out but if you don't want like it don't say i didn't warn you um next i saw soul this is a disney plus release the new pixar movie with jamie fox and tina fey and it was delightful it was probably one of my favorite films of 2020 um the animation's stunning the story is really good the philosophy behind like what it means to be alive is like really interesting and captivating for me um it's probably the least like kid-friendly pixar movie they've made yeah this is like the opposite of we can be heroes this is like a very well written well thought out well composed film that is i guess marketed at least by relation to its distributor as being for kids and yet would in no way hold the attention or captivate or be really appropriate for children to watch because it's just so there's so much heavy lifting um and thematic elements up to the story that i feel like kids i mean maybe they'd be entertained by like pretty colors and animation but that's about yeah. it i don't know i think there's enough like jokes like oh that wacky soul is in a cat now like that kids will be entertained with that kind of stuff. It fits like the world. It's not inappropriate in terms of like violence or like, you know, the the humor is still there, but there's also like, I guess more what it is is just kids would get so much less out of it than it really has to offer that it just befits like an older audience a lot more. Well, I don't know. I feel like you're right in some points to that, but I feel like kids can watch it and still enjoy it. And then when they grow up, they can rewatch it and realize, hey, there's a lot more going on in this kind of movie. Yeah, no, I'm not saying, like, not show it to your kids. I'm just saying, like, this seems like a really weird moment where, like, Pixar... And I think this has been happening, too, with films like Inside Out and Toy Story 3, where Pixar is making movies for, like, an aging audience, realizing that kids that have grown up watching their films are still wanting to go to the theater to watch their films. And I think this is, like, a thing that... an uh, animation that's been happening a lot more, like... Uh, in Japan or other Eastern countries where like animation doesn't always equal like kids movie. Like it can just be like a movie. And um, that's something we're a little behind in the Western side of the world where like, hey, you made an animated movie. Cool. I'm going to take my like 10 year old to go see it and like turn my brain off and like what let it babysit them. Yeah. And every like Oscar, there's like what, like maybe one or two like adult animated films in the category for like best animated film like mm-hmm. an anomalisa or like isle of dogs but even isle of dogs was like just pg-13 but well it doesn't have to be like an r-rated movie to be like adult themes yeah like soul is pg and it's like very meant for older people i believe yeah totally yeah cool um well that's been ryan's review roundup featuring tyler yeehaw if we were a sponsored podcast, this would have been the perfect time to put in our uh, sponsored ad. <laughs> this episode's brought to you by, what's the thing that podcasters are sponsored by? No free ads here. Getting back to the meat of the episode. We gotta just, we gotta just make up a thing. You know, we'll just choose a random, like a random 
abstract concept that our episodes are sponsored for every time. This episode brought to you by water. Oh, you know... Not any particular brand of water, just the concept and existence of water. It makes up about 70% of the planet. Stay hydrated. Hydrate or dihydrate. Use code preview review at the to, faucet. <laughs> at the faucet. To get... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <sighs> well, the rest of this episode, we're not being driven by movie trailers. We're just... This is your 2021 release radar. All we're talking about today, we're just going to run through a list of movies that were supposed to come out in 2020 um, that have now been delayed to come out at some point during this year, 2021. That is, I mean, hopefully things don't continue to be pushed back, but God, who fucking knows? Well, Um, hopefully these movies get to come out because they've already been through the ringer. So we're going to run through this list and just kind of give our first impressions. This is basically kind of the like, Isn't it crazy that in any other year we would have already seen all these movies? At least most of these movies. Some of these I have no intention to see 2020, 2021. Well, they would have been released and someone would have seen them. Somebody would have would have seen these movies beyond like I'm sure editors and producers and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, movies. But the general public would have been able to see these movies by this time, if not for the pandemic, which is absolutely wild because there's some like fucking heavy hitters on this list. Exactly. Um. Really big movies. Starting with our first movie, which is just simply called F9. F9. Does it stand for the Fast or does it stand for the Furious? This is the ninth installment. for Family. In the Fast and Furious franchise, of which I have still seen zero installments. And Ryan you has seen Hobbs and Shaw? like three. I, I watched Too Fast, Too Furious the other week. So yeah, I've seen Hobbs and Shaw and the first two. So I'm at three. Interesting. Too Fast, Too Furious is fun. Like, honestly. I mean, people like these movies. I I don't know. I, I've never been a car guy, so. The first one's really car heavy, but the second one's just kind of crazy fun. It seems like it, they get less and less car heavy as they go on, and they're more about the random. They become like spies or something? I don't know. Yeah, well, it's like a weird, they're like weird. They're saving the world. What, what is it called when they're like non-governmental agencies that like fight um, i don't know bad guys i don't know like don't know. contracted good guys no they're just like you know vigilante type of things i guess yeah i don't know because like in hobbs and shaw like the government comes and is like we need hobbs and shaw to help us beat idris elba oh interesting maybe they do work for the government i don't know i wouldn't be uh, surprised i think hobbs is like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson character does work for the government, at least when he's introduced. I don't because know. Because Hobbs and Shaw, they were both like, this is a thing that this franchise does normally, right? It's like, they're people that were at one time like bad guys, or at least like antagonists to the crew, and then they become like part of the crew. Yeah, they become... Is that like a thing that happens a lot? Um, well, I know it happens with uh, with Shaw. Um, the, what's his name? What's that dude's name? The British dude, yeah. Uh, Satham. Jason Statham. His character started out as a villain. Um, I don't know which movie he's the villain of. I, he hasn't shown up for me. Um, but apparently he has his own villain family because his brother is the villain of the Universal Studios, right? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And his mom is in jail in Hobbs and Shaw. But his sister's like a good guy in Hobbs and Shaw, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing is, 
F9 is going even further into the like droogies of family like with this because John Cena is going to be in this movie as Dominic Toretto or Vin Diesel's brother. Like weird. And, well, and they're bringing back a character that was like previously thought to be killed. Oh off. yes. Han, justice for Han was a And big this is not a spoiler because this was in the trailer. Yeah. Um I mean it's a spoiler for like people like me who haven't watched most of the Fast and Furious franchise and I haven't even been introduced to Han yet. But um, apparently he's like killed in, um, I think Tokyo Drift is when he's first introduced and killed. But then in four and five- He's in them because they're like, they're flashbacks. Yeah, they like retcon number three to actually be number six or something like that. I don't know. But now he's not actually dead at all. Anyways, the Fast and Furious franchise is weird, and the ninth one would have come out last year. Uh-huh. They pushed it to this year, and they, that, they, this they was pretty early year. on. Yeah, this was pretty early on in in the during the pandemic, and they were like, "We're just going to push it to like a full year," as opposed to these other movies that kind of started with like oh a couple months at a time, and then eventually, eventually they got pushed back a full year, but yeah. not like in one fell swoop. But that's what um, who does this Universal, I guess. Yeah, it's Universal. Out a full year. Um, from the because this is their and biggest franchise. Like it was a wise choice because this thing has gone on. And what when will it come out now? Like the summer of this year? Yeah, it's supposed to come out in like uh, May. Yeah, so, like early summer. Seems uh, like it could be a big, you know, reopening blockbuster type of thing. Exactly. Like uh, Fast and the Furious is by far Universal's biggest franchise. Yeah, these movies they, make a load, a load of fucking money. They've, like, released movies during the pandemic. Like, Universal has, like, Freaky or uh, News of the World just came out. But these aren't movies that they expected to, like, do gangbusters at the box office. But they needed to save Fast and Furious from COVID, so they just said, run to 2021. And they did. They ran, they, they uh, drifted their cars all the way to May 2021. Exactly. Um, and I think it's going to pay off for them. Um, if things are looking better by the beginning of the summer, like you said, this definitely could be one of the big movies that brings a lot of people back to the theaters. Um, you know, well, we all thought they were crazy when they said, we're going to push it back a year because at that point we were seeing like no time to die is like, we're going to push it back like three weeks and maybe it'll be better by then. And we're like, that seems smart. MGM will probably be in the theaters in a month. And we then a whole year passed. We were fools. But somehow, Justin Lin and Dominic Toretto knew they had to go. Maybe it's because Vin Diesel was just in Bloodshot, which did like a poor box office because of the COVID pandemic. He's like, I, I can't be back. I think you're right. I think Universal just smart. They were smart to kind of, you know, safe harbor their their big main moneymaker. And mm-hmm. um, yep, it's paid off for them, or at least I, it looks like it will. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it's given me time to watch more Fast and Furious movies, even though I think I've only watched one or two since this got delayed. Maybe by the time F9 comes around, I'll be caught up and I can go see them all. But- well, it's been a full year and you've only watched three of them. And now you have five months left, four months really, and you have to watch the other five so it's doable, but you gotta you gotta you gotta pick up the pace. I, I I'm trying, but I can't find Tokyo Drift on any streaming service. Oh, uh, that's see, that's the downfall. It used to be on Peacock, but then I looked again recently, and it's not on Peacock anymore. 
should have should have watched it when you had the chance. But I hadn't seen Too Fast, Too Furious at that point. Oh, I see. Too Fast, Too Furious was on HBO Max. So, you know, it's these streaming. Ser- I'm not gonna pay for Tokyo Drift. Are you kidding yeah, me? I'm no, gonna watch it on some it. streaming service. Yeah. Um, that I already pay for. Let's see. Um, speaking of things that I'm probably not gonna pay to see. Um, another movie that got delayed is Peter Rabbit 2. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know they were making the second one of these. I mean, I guess I did because they, they used the Vampire Weekend song in the trailer, mm-hmm. which was fun. But I literally don't care about this movie at all. This is a Peter Rabbit 2, and it's subtitled The Runaway. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's a movie about him running away. I don't know. I haven't seen the trailer in a long time. I thought he does. Doesn't he, like, jump on a train and he goes, but then they have some other mission that they have to take care of. Like, I, I saw, like, two or three different trailers for this, and they each kind of looked like the plot was a little bit different. So I have no idea what's even happening i don't know the first one didn't seem interesting to me so i didn't watch it so i even have less interest in this one it's james corden and he's another furry creature uh that didn't work out too well last time in cats so we'll see what happens with peter rabbit too when it hits theaters whenever it hits well i mean at least peter rabbit looks cuter than the creatures in cats i mean like you know i'll give it to that the computer animation is pleasant looking it's true um, i'd rather I don't really care about peter the character rabbit. or the story or anything so what if um they took the peter rabbit model out and they replaced it with uh james corden buster for jones yes let's do it i'll i'll go see it i would honestly if they put out a cat sequel i'd go watch it right now i'd watch cats too um <laughs> i won't watch this intrigues rabbit. me see there's a difference between movies that i think oh my god, that's going to be so bad. I can't wait to enjoy how bad that is. And movies that just look so uninteresting that I just don't care at all about them. That's Peter Rabbit 2 to me. It's not like it looks bad, like enjoyable bad. It's just that it looks totally not worth my time in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. Um, Speaking of time, Tyler, the next movie we're talking about is No Time to Die. There is no time to die. It's true. Well, people are dying left and right. It's a horrible pandemic. But James Bond still is running out of time to die. And we still don't know if this is, means like he doesn't have enough time to die or... Like if he put on a schedule like I'm going to die on the 14th, but then like the 14th came and he was too busy to die. Like is he too busy to die or is he saying like at this moment this would be no, this is no time to die, right? Oh, like I have too much to live for. Like this is not the right time to yeah. die. It's probably the second one, but it, it's kind of funny to think it's the first one. Yeah, because it sounds like he's running out of time to kill himself. Like, because that's what, you know, no time to die or I've yeah. ran out of time to kill myself. So I, I guess I'm not doing it today. Um, but anyway, this is uh, Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. It's the 25th James Bond movie. Um, Daniel Craig has been saying since like 2015 that he hates playing James Bond and he doesn't want to do it anymore. So I don't know why he's still in these movies. Well, honestly, Daniel Craig, at least to me, came to the forefront of, like, my mind as playing Bond. Like, I didn't really know much about him before he started playing this role. But now that I've seen him in stuff like Knives Out, I want to see more of that Daniel Craig in different roles. So I'm kind of happy that this is putting an end to his Bond saga. And it'll be cool to see another actor play James Bond, but also I want to see more new stuff from Daniel Craig that's not him doing the same character. And I've never been a huge Bond fan. I've seen two James Bond movies. Um, and, you know, I really like Casino Royale. And then I watched Quantum Solace and I didn't really care for it. Gotta watch Skyfall. It's the best one. It's better than Casino Royale. Yeah, I doubt it. it's better. Um, but, you know, maybe if it's on a streaming service, 
Um, but, oh, interestingly enough, earlier this year, uh, MGM, the people who like produce or distribute uh, James Bond movies, were trying to sell No Time to Die to like a streaming service like Netflix. Crazy. Like, that's the times we're living in where they're like, we just need to get this movie out of our hands and make whatever money we can on it. Um, they've already spent like so much money on this movie making it and then they spent the whole like marketing production on it pushing a marketing like for this movie that never came out which i thought was gonna happen because all of a sudden a bunch of the old james bond movies popped up on netflix and i was like oh are they gonna bring the time to die to netflix like that'd be super weird well to have it be like one of the only bond movies that's released on a streaming service you know uh, but I guess it was just it must have been another deal that had been in the works because it was just like a bunch of the old Sean Connery ones. Like a lot of the James Bond movies have just popped up on random streaming service. Like you can watch a lot of the James Bond movies for free on YouTube, like legally. Oh, weird. Weird. Like you can go watch Doctor No or something on YouTube right now if you want to. Um, so maybe they're just try- trying to get more Bond movies out there so like people are more interested when No Time to Die comes out. I don't know. Maybe it's like a weird, subtle, like subconscious viral marketing kind of thing but Mm, yeah um but nobody wanted to buy no time to die because mgm was like we need all this money because we spent all this money on it and all the marketing and everyone was like that price tag's way too high for james bond no thank you and now i think mgm's like going bankrupt or something but they still have to like market this movie again there's no way this movie is making money yeah maybe Um, maybe they'll maybe they'll uh make some money back when it finally goes to theaters but who knows yeah, I don't know. The last two movies I think did really well. Like Skyfall made like over a billion dollars, and because uh, it's that good, Inspector made like I don't know seven hundred or eight hundred. I didn't see million. that one, so that's my fault. My bad. You could have put it over the billion if you had gone. I don't know enough times. times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was almost like the Dia de los Muertos masks. I don't know anything else about that movie. Um, but this one. Well, that one introduced the this new Christoph Waltz villain that like is now reappearing in No Time to Die. I thought Rami Malek was the villain of No Time to Die. No, but like in No Time to Die, like he re like he's uh Rami Malek's the new villain, but like he goes to visit the villain that was apprehended in the last movie. It's part it's part of the trailer. Oh, okay, I understand. But yeah, James Bond. I mean, there are diehard Bond fans out there. Um, I'm friends with someone on Facebook and they literally like, I think they rewatch every James Bond movie every year and they post that they're watching like, Oh, time to watch, you know, Octopussy. Like, cool. I'm glad there are people out there that enjoy these films. I just have never really gotten into it. Um, but that was uh, I'm surprised that you're not a Bond head given that one of your most anticipated, your most anticipated movie this year. Is another government spy movie, Dude. Mission Impossible. You're like, just a Mission Impossible head, not a, not a Bond head. It's true. You ride and die for Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt, yes. James Bond, meh. Um, I love the Mission Impossible movies. I don't know how many times I've seen all of them. I recently rewatched all six of them in quarantine. And that was like the first time I had rewatched the first two in a long time. What is the what is the like uh, government agency that they work for in oh, Mission Impossible? The IMF, the Impossible. The IMF, yeah. Friendship ended with MI6. Now IMF is my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what it is about Mission Impossible, but it seems like it's everything I want from an action spy movie. And why would I even go to James Bond if I have Ethan Hunt? 
Well, now what we have to do, since I like Bond movies, I've seen more Bond movies than you have, and you've seen more Mission Impossible movies than I have. We each need to watch, you know, I'll watch No Time to Die. You watch, uh, I'll watch Mission Impossible 7. You watch No Time to Die. What? And we'll have to see how, we, how it stacks up against our favorites. Does it not? Does this mean I can't watch Mission Impossible? No, no, no. Like we, we each watch both of them. I'm just saying oh, we okay. have to like, see how the other one stacks up. I thought you were taking Ethan from me for a second. And that no, was I would never dare. I would never dare to do that. Ethan and uh, all his friends, like yeah, Simon, Simon Pegg, Pegg. And King Rames, they're in all the movies. Well, Simon Pegg's in all the Simon movies. Simon Pegg's more recent. He, he was introduced in the third one, so he's not in the first two. Yeah. But Ving Rames and Tom Cruise have been in all the movies. And a cool thing about Mission Impossible 7 is uh, they're bringing back a character from the first Mission Impossible that wasn't in any other Mission Impossible movie. Wow. And it's like, that's cool. Dude, John Voight's in the first Mission Impossible movie. Mm. He's crazy. <laughs> um, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess this also fits the government uh, spy action type of genre. Uh, the King's Man, which is a prequel film to the Kingsman franchise, um, which was successful, but I think the second one kind of didn't do as well and wasn't as critically, you know, mm-hmm. acclaimed as the first one. But I like the second moved one. moved ahead with the prequel. I thought it was a little too long. It didn't really hit all the right notes for me, but it's still kind of that good. I saw this uh, kind of action comedy on Twitter the other day, and I was like, what's your favorite scene like to show someone out of context and it's like the scene where like one of the robot dogs is like trying to kill uh colin firth but then elton john pops his head in front of it and like the music like an elton john song starts playing and it's all happy like from the second movie and i just remember like oh yeah i i like that movie i haven't seen it in a while um (laughs) but anyway the king's man is very different looking than either of the kingsman films it's a prequel set like in World War One. Yeah. Um, with Ray Fiennes and he's like a British Secret Service agent that has to kill Rasputin or yeah, something. I think this is about sort of like the origins of the Kingsman organization mm-hmm. that appears in the other franchises. It looks good and I'm interested in it. But I read recently um, that this movie started out as like its own thing. It wasn't linked to any IP. But then they like retooled it to make it work for Kingsman because Kingsman huh. is an IP that people know. So is it not directed by the same guy that did the first two? Uh, let me look it up right now. I don't know. The guy who did the first two, what was his name? He was uh, He's the guy who did First Class, X-Men First Class. Um, guy Ritchie, right? No, it's not Guy Ritchie. Oh, it's Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, and he's doing the third one too. But I think in the script phase of it, they started writing like a uh, British like spy movie. Like- like they had this other pitch script and then they were like, hey, would this work for like doing a new Kingsman thing? And he's like, mm-hmm. I guess we could do a prequel. And they're like, cool. Sold. Yeah. So I think it's that. But I don't know. I like Matthew Vaughn's style and I think he did well with all the movies I've seen him make. So I'm intrigued that this new movie, um, yeah, it was, it's been delayed so many times. Yeah. Um, it's one of the movies that Disney inherited when they bought 20th Century Fox. So like, I don't know. I think there's like some weird rule where any movie that they inherit, they have to like put it in theaters. Like they can't just throw it on a streaming service. Like they had to release the new mutants over the summer in theaters, but they didn't do that with this movie, the Kingsman, which makes me think they think this movie has better potential and is a better movie than the new mutants. And they don't want to just sacrifice it to the COVID like they did the new mutants. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think the first two both have like, very iconic pieces 
uh, from that franchise. Like you had the whole church scene in the first movie, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like I mean, that random like, <laughs> um, you know, take me home, country roads, like Ooh, that's like that bit got viral on TikTok. Like not the actual John Denver song, but like the bit of like who's that actor Mark Strong. Strong doing it is what went viral. So you know, I I feel like there's this weird like, it's part of the cultural like zeitgeist and consciousness now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to do something with that. Whereas, whereas like New Mutants, like X Men had such a troubled history that they didn't really mind like. And this was like a sacrificial lamb, and it's not like it was the new like big X Men with like Wolverine and all the bit heavy hitters. It was like this new experimental thing that they were like, eh, whatever. And there were like so many production issues with that movie. Like they wanted to reshoot it, but they never could because the actors got too old by the time they wanted to reshoot it. That like it's not the finished product that the director wanted to put out, but they there was no way to make it what he wanted to make it. Yeah. It was kind of like the the whimpering death cry of the X Men franchise. Yeah, true. Um, Hopefully, to rebooted to be rebooted by uh, Disney's Deadpool three. Yes, I'm excited. Just recently announced. So interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep going. Speaking of Deadpool, I guess Ryan yeah. Reynolds star, stars in Free Guy, which um, is a, this looks like a Live Die Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow well, kind this of. This is like a huge mar- like viral marketing campaign that was happening like right before COVID hit, mm-hmm. and it was like I, I'm, almost every movie I was seeing, I would get this trailer ahead of it, where Ryan Reynolds is like an an NPC, like a non playable character in like a mass open world video game that all of a sudden, like, achieves consciousness and starts doing things that, like, aren't appropriate for that character to be doing. Like, he saves the day when players are trying to just, like, rob the victim in a, in a bank robbery. But now he, like, saves the day and he starts doing all this wild shit. And then it looks like there's repercussions in the real world um, where, like, the developer of the video game is like, how come this NPC is doing all this shit and, like, destroying our, mm-hmm. our video game type of thing? So, so- it looks kind of interesting. Also, this is, like one of the last media appearances of Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek has a cameo in this movie. um, And just recently, his final episodes of Jeopardy that he taped before he died aired. um, And so, you know, he's gone from Jeopardy for now, but he still has this unreleased appearance in Free Guy that is yet to be seen by the public. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, It'll be nice to see Alex again. Um, Yeah, Free Guy... They even put a, like, they delayed this to Christmas time, but then they realized nothing's going to change by Christmas. So they delayed it again next year. Um, I'm interested in it. It looks fun. It, like, gives me, like, the vibes of, like, Edge of Tomorrow mixed with Ready Player One. And, you know, both those movies are good. One's better than the other one. Um, Hopefully, Free Guy is good. Yeah, and hopefully it's, like, it does something clever with the storytelling and, it's not just sort of the above. I thought I thought like this could also be the premise for just like a bunch of boomer jokes about like, haha, video games bad. And so I think it has to do more with telling an intriguing and engaging story. Um, but also like, how do I get invested in a character that's supposedly just a non-player character in a video game that has achieved consciousness somehow? Like I don't I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Um, this is also another one of those Fox holdover movies that it seems like Disney believes in and wants to have it make money, so they didn't dump it. In yeah, well, Wonder I feel like at this point, Ryan Reynolds is such a marketable face. Um, mm-hmm. He's gone so far from being like kind of a quirky uh, comedy dude, you know, the Van Wilder waiting type of films that he did. And then he was like kind of like a hunk for a little while, like, al- like the proposal, almost discount Ryan Gosling a little bit. Um, 
and now he's like kind of action starry with mm-hmm. like bl- this blend of like being attractive and funny and witty and can do like action stuff. I don't know. It's and people evolution of Ryan Reynolds is really weird to me, but that's for a different time. Yeah. Like people love Deadpool and he kind of just does his Deadpool thing now and people eat it up in any movies in. And this kind of feels like it's a breaking the fourth wall-y Deadpool thing. So of course Disney wants to make money off the yeah, for sure. association of Deadpool. Um, the next movie that got delayed that we are going to talk about is called Spiral from the book of Saw. Mm-hmm. This is a, like it was supposed to come out last year. Uh, one of Chris Rock's big movies. Yeah, reboot of the into, Saw franchise. Yeah, Chris Rock's trying to be more of a serious actor. Like, he did that in uh, the new season of Fargo, and now he's doing new Saw. And I don't know much about Saw, except for someone cuts their arm off and there's a weird, creepy doll. Yeah, and Saw's always been sort of this, like, weird blend of, like, it's part horror movie, like, torture, where it shows the, like, torture scenes but it's also part like detective movie like follows the 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 law enforcement officers that will try to track down this deranged killer um and so chris rock is playing one of those detective roles which is like a pretty meaty role usually in these films because they're really focused on like following this how these detectives try and solve this case and unravel this mystery and so i think it'd be cool to kind of see how chris rock handles that role um i really like the song movies growing up um I mean, I say growing up, like I watched, I mean, they're rated R, so I didn't start watching them until I was like a teenager. But, you know, I have a fondness and a nostalgia for them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This movie, I, I, this is kind of a wait and see for me because the Saw movies really kind of went off the rails uh, mm. towards the end of the franchise and just started being more and more gratuitous and less plot thematically driven. Like when you watch the first couple of Saw movies, you're like, wow, how interesting, like philosophical, like you're giving people like that have had challenges in their life the choice, like, take life into their own hands because they've been they've harmed or been selfish in ways that have hurt others in the past and now this killer is like twisting this on them and making them hurt themselves to save their life or to like just be selfish and let themselves die if they don't yeah take this torture or punishment or whatever and it's kind of thought-provoking at first but then towards the end of the franchise it just kind of falls apart and you're just like okay i don't care about this anymore like show me the bloody torture scenes and that's why i'm watching this for mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting to see how spiral handles like does it try and re- reinvigorate that sort of like philosophical premise or does it just kind of keep going in the same like crazy as much blood and guts and you know crazy mm-hmm. torture porn we can do the better yeah um the first couple were like uh, done by Lee Winnell, right? He had yeah. something to do with it, right? Yeah, Lee Winnell, James Wan, like a lot of these guys that have now been really big kind of like names in the horror franchise were the original collaborators that produced uh, the first Saw movies. Uh, do you know if any of them are coming back for the new one? I, I don't. Because that could be a good indicator. Let's, let's do some quick research on the fly. This is the benefits of uh, Zoom recording it looks like the it's adapted from a story by james wan and lee winnell i don't know if that's just because it's continuing from the story of the first saw movie and so i don't know if they have story credit on like every installment Mm. but if not and then this is like something that they actually helped to draft up and get started then that could be a good indicator cool so it's a it's a definitely a wait and see i understand now Oh, the next movie we're talking about is also from another big name director, like Lee Winnell, even though Saw or Spiral isn't directed by Lee Winnell. 
I'm rambling. We're talking about Dune, the new uh, Denis Villeneuve film, um, adapted from the like one of the most influential science fiction books of time. Um, it stars like Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, and I don't know, everyone's in this movie. Jason Momoa. Every yeah. time you look, you see another person's added to the cast, and it's like a giant space opera. I hear it's kind of like game of thrones in space where like there's different houses and it's political intrigue and it's also like an adventure story there's like assassins and princes and um giant sandworms yeah giant sandworms so right towards the end of the year we thought this movie was going to come out like in november or december they released a trailer and it looked really cool and then they said psych it's not coming out and we're like oh and then the craziest like most probably uh disrupting move we've seen in a long time came from warner brothers and hbo max warner brothers said hey every movie we're gonna make in 2021 we're gonna put it on hbo max the day it goes to theaters so if you don't want to go to theaters you can just watch it at home on hbo max yeah and we were like which is crazy i feel like they totally done this on like a more like movie to movie basis until the pandemic cleared up a little bit more um but they chose to just go right off the bat and say it's for every release this year so that's going to be crazy with implications for you know the november december releases mm-hmm. if movie if movie theaters are back up and running at full capacity by then you know it's going to be so weird um that you can also just watch this in your home the day it comes out yeah for no additional cost but you know what there's like pros and cons to this i think a con for dune is that apparently this movie is only adapting like the first half of the book. Like it's doing like an it and an it chapter two kind of thing. Well, but they haven't officially announced that, which is crazy. Like, yeah, I, don't, I think they haven't announced it yet because they haven't, like, they don't want to like say we're making part two yeah. without seeing how much money part one makes. Yeah. So I feel like this move to streaming could really hurt this movie's chances of actually finishing the story it wants to tell, which kind of sucks. Um, but that's what you know, they I feel like they've been so protective right? of it. It's got so much hype around it. They'll probably progress with part two no matter what. And I, it's hard for me to imagine. I don't think that this movie is going to be a flop by any means, even with at-home releases. Interesting. Um, because I feel like this is a hard sell, honestly. Like, hmm. it's hard sci-fi. Uh, it's Villeneuve, who makes great movies, but people don't go and see them. That's true, like Blade Runner 2049. Um, and you can watch it at home if you want to. It has like all these things working against it. Like, I don't know. It looks like to me, it's kind of set up to fail, which kind of sucks. That's true. But I also have a hard time thinking like this big blockbuster that has all this uh, star power behind it would just sort of like fall by the wayside. That's um, true. I don't know. It's, I guess it's also a wait and see a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but another big issue with the um, release of this movie on HBO Max was legendary pictures who co-financed this movie weren't like consulted when warner wanted to put it on hbo max and legendary is like what the heck how are we going to make our money back if you just put it on a streaming service and now they're gonna like in weird talks like and legendary is potentially suing warner brothers and it might go to the streaming service but it might not but then they just like made a deal to get godzilla versus kong onto hbo max which is a warner movie that legendary co-produced um but they haven't figured any that out with Dune yet. So maybe they're doing it picture by picture, but mm, you know, weird. the production like development and release of this movie, like is interesting to follow just on its own. Um, 
and then I got interested in just like what even is Dune and I don't know I was reading like watching videos and reading synopsis of like the Dune book series and it looks like to me like the series doesn't actually like do anything interesting until book two so I'm like whatever I'm interested in seeing this movie um but hopefully it does well enough that we can actually get to book two if they want to make the third dune movie which would be the second book um well i also wonder if they're gonna retrofit the plot a little bit to sort of like rush to the more interesting elements of the Mm -hmm. story you know they don't always adapt exactly book for book movie for movie that's true because it seems like the first book is more like the classic like uh knight saves the girl and slays the dragon kind of story kind of thing but then the later books it kind of deconstructs that and focuses more on like what would actually happen and like how politics can play into it and things like that so that seems more interesting to me at least but you never know we we trust Villeneuve to make a movie that is uh thought-provoking and uh good to look at so we'll see what happens when uh we watch this either at home or in the theaters wherever it goes yeah, it definitely looks like, at least visually, I'd want to see this movie in theaters before I'd want to watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we might not have a choice, so. It's true. Like, I watched Soul, and I was like, damn, this would have been really cool to watch on a big screen. But, you know, my hands were tied. <laughs> Disney Plus all the way. Yeah, totally. All right, next on this list is Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is also another one that I was just starting to see right before, uh, see marketing for right before COVID hit. Um this is sort of the reboot of this franchise uh, kind of being led by Paul Rudd, but there's also like Finn Wolfhard and some other like kids in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the new generation of Ghostbusters. And I think some of the original stars of Ghostbusters are, are appearing in this film. Some of them aren't. Um, well, some of them are dead. Right. So but like, and I don't think every, I don't think every character that, or every actor that's alive from Ghostbusters is going to be in this, but I think some of them are. I don't okay. know. I don't know. It seems like it's a a pivot from their last try to reboot the Ghostbusters franchise. Which was the female 2016. cast with Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, people call it Answer the Call because I think that was the tagline of the movie. Um, yeah, and it just faced like crazy backlash from like internet trolls. Um, I've heard it's fine. I tried watching it once and I fell asleep, but that's because I was just really tired and not because of the quality of the movie. Um yeah, I think, I don't know, this new installment looks like it'll be interesting. It's directed by the son of the original Ghostbusters director, which is kind of cool. Um, oh, that's cool. So, I, I don't know, it seems like it's sort of this thing of, like, the Ghostbusters were a thing that existed, and then they kind of, like, fell off the radar, and then they're kind of, like, rediscovered by these kids. I, I don't really remember the trailer that I saw for it that much. Yeah. Um, it's weird that I would have already seen this movie because it would have come out this year because it seems like I barely know anything about it. Yeah. I would have had a very firm opinion about this movie because it definitely looked like something I wanted to watch, but I still don't really know anything about it. Um, it looks more action-heavy than comedy, which is, like, not usually the tone of a Ghostbusters movie. I've only seen Ghostbusters the original, so yeah. unless like if the other two are very action heavy, maybe that's just me only watching the first one. But well, and it seems like I mean it has Paul Rudd in it. It seems like some so many of these types of movies are kind of being see- seeing the like stuff that's being done with the Marvel IP and like oh we can do this awesome blend of like action with some like witty dry humor, which is sort of like that wasn't in when Ghostbusters came out. It had to kind of be like one or the other, you know. 
that that weird blend that's been so popularized now didn't really exist. So it was very much more like a comedy movie that just happened to be like weird because it had like ghost hunters in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A different kind of film. I don't know. It looks like a, like you were saying, like the Marvel movies are action movies that are comedic in tone. So that's kind of what they're trying to hear. And that worked with Ant-Man and Paul Rudd before. So. Yeah. I think Paul Rudd's a good choice to kind of find that. I mean, he probably has about as much comedic power as, you know, these, you know, the stars, Bill Murray's and all those guys did in that Back day. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know who else has comedic star power, Tyler? The Minions. Oh, I thought you were going to say Steve Carell. No. Nope. I, that. But the Minions, I, the I mean, there was some Bill Murray memes but they're 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 not as popular and they have not been as widespread as the new minion memes are. Dude, uh, there's like one of these minions names. One's named Stu. Um, I don't know the other one's names, but they're the stars of their own franchise now that spun off from Despicable Me and Minions Two: The Rise of Gru, which is the sequel to the Despicable Me prequel, but it's still a prequel because Gru's a little baby boy. Um, is coming out whenever it comes out. Um, I saw the first Minions movie and it was horrible. So I don't think I'll see this one. But this one, like the marketing went so far that like we were seeing minions on cereal boxes saying Rise of Gru coming to theaters in June. And we were like, no, it, it didn't happen. It's November and you're still on the cereal box. Um, this movie, you know, it's minions. You, it's If you've been alive for the past five years, you know what minions are and you know if you like them or not. This is just more of that. Um, it's just they're so pervasive they're everywhere and it makes sense that they're being cautious and holding this off until this year because i bet these movies make so much fucking money for them yeah um i think minions like made over a billion dollars crazy this is another universal movie that they're saving in their archive like fast nine minions and dom toretto are the the backbone of universal studios these days i mean it makes sense because you can look at like their some of the main like stuff that they have uh to draw people to Universal Studios, <laughs> so if if it's a if it has prominence in the theme park, it's gonna translate to uh, money for the actual film releases. It's true, unless you uh, talk about the Mummy. That's true. That's Tom more Cruise of a movies. that's more of a relic of the past. It's true, but it is a great ride. Um, one day Maybe, we'll ride it again. I'm sure eventually, once Universal has another big, uh, <laughs> I don't know franchise that starts taking off in popularity they could totally retrofit the mummy ride dude why didn't they retrofit the mummy ride to like some fast and furious ride it seems like they they could have yeah not just in the tram uh uh-huh in florida they have that like as its own ride like fast and furious supercharged but it's just the little tram movie and yeah and i i guess it's either that one or the transformers one because transformers not as big anymore either no also like universal only like has the right to Transformers. That's more of a Paramount picture thing. Mm, that's true. If we're going to put a Paramount picture ride in Universal Studios, it's got to be Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go on a ride with Benji and Ethan Hunt. Go for Ride with Ethan. That's just what it's called. <laughs> ride. <laughs> Riding with Ethan. <laughs> and then all the, all the merch at the exit gift shop just like, I rode with Ethan. I would buy that shirt. I want to ride with Ethan. And it has no other, it doesn't feature his last name or any other references to the franchise, so it just has no context for, like, which Ethan you're talking about. 
Ethan. It's true. But can we still have the car vehicle be evac from the Transformers? Oh my track? gosh. Ethan. Ethan <laughs> evac. They rebrand it. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of theme park rides and movies, uh, they're also making the Jungle Cruise movie. Disney decided that of all the rides in the park, the one that takes you on a slow boat through the rivers of the world is the one that they want to base a new action movie off of, starring who else but Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as well as Emily Blunt. I really like the star power, and I think these two could do a great movie together. I'm just a little confused on what it means for the Jungle Cruise as a whole. Why does it have to be this movie? Why couldn't it just be something else? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It looks like it's a fun adventure romp. It reminds me of, like, uh, the tone of, like, the National Treasure movies or Jumanji, but mainly because it's The Rock in a jungle adventure movie again. Right. Um, which is, like, kind of weird that you're doing that so close to that other thing. Maybe it's trying to trick, trick parents, like, hey. I kind of think it is. I, like, legitimately kind of think it is. But, like, I don't know. It seems like a fun enough adventure ride. It's weird that they chose the Jungle Cruise. I mean, I love the Jungle Cruise, but there's not much lore to it. It's just, you go on... Well, it's like, the fun of the Jungle Cruise is, like, do I get a fun, witty, like, tour captain that makes good jokes along the way? Like, that's what it is for. Like, it's more almost like a stand-up comedy show. But they still have to hit the same beats. Like, they still have to do the backside of water joke. And, you know... There's like a, a vanilla script that they have, but they yeah. can spruce it up. If and they what I'm worried is that this is now going to be some like half-hearted action movie that then like still tries to hit those beats. Like, hey, nudge, nudge, remember the backside of water from the theme park ride? And instead of like, if it had been like its own thing, like separated from this like property of like this theme park ride, it could have been able to like, they would be able to write more original jokes and like not have to like pander to these specific like callback type of things but and they might pull it off i don't want to judge too preemptively i'm a little weirded out by it but i'll go see it i mean it's a it's a rock action movie um and not even like you know there's the rock action movies like skyscraper and like rampage that i'd have no interest in seeing where it's like gritty rock tries to like is like lone wolf hero that saves a day but this is more like fun Dwayne the Rock Johnson with some comedy with another like kind of like companion pal with him. These are more fun movies that I, I would probably enjoy. I mean, I really like those Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies where he's like just doing action by himself. I mean, they're fun times. They're just, you know, they're popcorn films. There's nothing to them. Um, in my household, we call it fun times with Mr. Johnson. And we go and watch, uh, I don't know, what was that one where he had a giant uh, gorilla? Um, rampage rampage yeah and that was dumb fun and it was a good time killer so if this is half as good as rampage then it's a bad movie but if it's as good as rampage it's a fun time <laughs> what if it's better than rampage then it's more like a like a hobbs and shaw kind of movie oh okay Re- real fun times with mr johnson <laughs> fun times with mr johnson and mr statham <laughs> wow and and miss blunt now yes Fun times with Miss Blunt. <laughs> like another movie that we're not talking about today, but we already preview reviewed uh, Quiet Place Part Two. Fun times oh, yeah. with Miss Blunt. <laughs> not so fun times. That's like dark and devastating times spooky with Miss times. Blunt. <laughs> uh, speaking of spooky times, though, our next movie. Oh, wait, I skipped one. Never mind. Speaking of fun times, is uh, our next movie Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, 
this had the really hilarious trailer with the paper boy right on his bike lip syncing to like a 90s r&b song and uh then we faceless Kristen wig and other co-star that i still don't know who it is i thought it was um, maya rudolph for the longest time but it's, it's not. not and then they like go on vacation and there's all this crazy stuff happening and like, there's, there's like a secret base park. yeah under this like island resort I really wanted to see this movie. It was like one of my most anticipated movies of the year. And uh, now I just hardly remember anything about it. Maybe I just kind of, I got to get back in the mood because what why I fell in love with this was because every movie I was seeing, this trailer played in front of it. So I feel like if I just sat and watched the trailer for it like every day for a little while, I'd get like hyped about it more um, again. But well, the coolest thing about I'm this- I'm not into it right now, but I, I do want to see it. Like I, I'm hearkening back and I'm like, oh yeah, there was a time in- my life where I carried and wanted to see this movie. So I'm trying to re I'm trying to resurrect that. I think the coolest thing about this trailer was that the meta commentary on movie trailers and Barb and Star loved movie trailers and that spoke to us and our soul. It did. It truly did. They were just us if we were like middle-aged like, women. Know, 40 years older and women. Yeah. Anyways, I want to resurrect the feeling of uh loving Barb and Star and wanting to see this movie again. So Mm. Maybe maybe by the time it comes out in 2021, I'll be back there. Yes. Uh, well, speaking of resurrections, our next movie is about uh, someone who dies and comes back to life. It's Morbius. He's the living vampire. Oh, yes. Um, this is Jared Leto is a vampire, and it's somehow tied into Spider-Man. At least Sony wants you to think it is. It's the Sony Marvel-adjacent universe. Yes, they uh, call it the so Sony Pictures marvel movie universe or something like that i don't know it's a weird acronym and it doesn't sound good when you try to say it out loud um but sony like still owns the rights to all these spider-man characters um and they're trying to make their own profit off it like they did with venom last year this is the next one in that franchise morbius who's a spider-man villain but they guess they're trying to make him like more sympathetic because he's the star of this movie um well yeah like what they did with venom it's this like sort of like gritty anti-hero adaptation and they focus on this character that's a villain because yeah. they don't they can't put spider-man in it <laughs> who's supposed to be there to compliment him so they exactly. have to like create these more well-rounded characters which is you know an interesting exercise i think uh -huh. and i think it's interesting that they're choosing morbius because like venom was the obvious choice people know who venom is but i don't know a lot of people that know about morbius the living vampire like he's not an a-tier spider-man villain like he's just like Spider-Man fights a vampire, um, which is weird and doesn't really fit into like your mainstream movie with Spider-Man. Um, he usually fights people that are like, oh no, my experiment's gone wrong and now I'm Dr. Octopus. Um, yeah. But this time it's like, oh no, my experiment went wrong and now I'm a immortal vampire supernatural being. Like it doesn't seem like it would work. Um, but I'm interested in it at least. Um, I mean, Jared Leto is surprised this movie got delayed because do you remember back at the beginning of the pandemic? He oh, he had no idea. Happening. He was like in his private retreat, like, and he was like, I came back and COVID had destroyed my world. Wow. Very weird. Jared Leto is a weird dude. Um, but I'm interested in this movie because they're tying to tie and more with uh, Michael Keaton is in this trailer. Yeah, because um, they can bring back, they can bring in other characters that have appeared in Spider-Man shit before. Except yeah. for Spider-Man. So they're trying to give it this air of legitimacy by like, hey, Keaton was like the villain in that other Spider-Man movie you liked. And he's in our movie now. So look, it all it all connects. Well, and then we're just like, okay. <laughs> it's interesting because Sony has the rights 
now with the New Deal that they can use any character that originated in a Sony film. And the Vulture, or Michael Keaton, was like, he came from Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a Sony movie. But that Spider-Man originally appeared first in Captain America Civil War, which is not a Sony movie. Right. So it's like this weird, like, cross-promotion thing. And then even in the trailer, they show, like, a painting of Spider-Man on the wall, but it's not Tom Holland Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire. It's like his suit, like the Raimi Spider-Man suit. Mm. So it's like this weirdness going on that now, like, maybe it was all planned because it sounds like they're trying to do a Spider-Verse thing with Spider-Man 3. So maybe they're actually building towards something. Maybe. I don't know. This is more like Sony's just trying to get what, to do what they can with what they got. Exactly. Uh, well, um, the other big Marvel movie that got delayed was uh, Black Widow. Yeah, it's crazy that we still haven't seen Black Widow, especially because even when this was coming out in 2020, I was like, man, this should have come out like a few years ago. Why the hell are we waiting until 2020 to put this movie out? You know, because of that, I don't know anyone who's really like clamoring to see Black Widow. Like, the longer it gets delayed, I think the less interested I am in the movie. Yeah, I totally, I'm right there with you. Like, it's a movie that's set in the past, like it's in between Civil War and Infinity War, and it's with a character who we know ends up dead like spoilers for avengers endgame but yeah if you haven't seen avengers endgame yet who are you it's the highest grossing movie in the world in history it beat avatar and it's way more memorable than avatar <laughs> um, oh, absolutely well and and i i'm excited to see this movie i want to see it because i want to see what new it brings because it seems like it is setting some stuff up for the future of phase four by including new characters like rachel wise and uh david harbour and florence Pugh. um but also it's like it's hard to care about black widow now because we know what happens to that character mm-hmm. and any like all the intrigue built around the character and her mysterious past was kind of set up in like mostly like phase two with like, yeah, like Age of and hawkeye and all that stuff and now we don't really care about that because there's like much more pressing issues at hand now that like the whole thanos theme happened you mm-hmm. know um so yeah it's it's hard to care but i also like i like I mentioned earlier, like I care about the future of the MCU and the storytelling that they do. So I do want to see this movie. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see if it has any important bearing to the future or if it kind of, I'm more interested in like, how did the fans respond? Do they say, oh, thank goodness it's out now. It's out now. It was worth the wait. Um, or is this going to kind of fall by the wayside in anticipation of like more exciting new releases mm-hmm. like Spider-Man 3, Shang-Chi, Eternals, multiverse of madness doctor strange to all that type of stuff yeah i don't know and what if this completely like changes the whole layout of the marvel plan like this movie makes more money than end game and they go oh my gosh we definitely have to make black widow 2 now and now it's just black widow movies forever and ever but they're all stuck within that time period before she dies like yeah, it's, it's like the like young indiana jones anthology where it's just like different missions that black widow used to go on exactly. in the past and then they can do like little cameos and have like you know chris Hawkeye evan up. chris yeah. evan appears again and like all that stuff yeah but i don't know honestly at this point i'm besides spider-man 3 i'm way more excited for what marvel's doing on disney plus and marvel tv like uh i'm curious to know what's going on with wandavision like they announced a um, a She-Hulk show, which like that seems weird and cool. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Night. that. There's what the heck is a Moon Marvel I show. No, but I'm excited. 
And even the stuff with the recruit, Oscar, uh, returning I... characters, Loki um, and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think after seeing what Disney Plus can do with The Mandalorian and how amazing and reinvigorating that has been for the Star Wars franchise, I'm a lot more excited for the promises of MCU storytelling on Disney Plus as well. And uh, speaking of reoccurring characters, like the Hawkeye show, I had no interest in it until they started telling me more things about it. And now Florence Pugh is supposed to be in the Hawkeye show, so it's relating to Black Widow. So now I'm more excited for the Hawkeye show. Yeah, well that show still throws me off because I think Jeremy Renner's just weird, but... But I, this is like the, it feels like the story of like Jeremy Renner passing the mantle. Yeah, that's true. The Haley Steinfeld, which I think is cool. I like yeah. Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm excited for this movie because I'm excited for Hawkeye, the TV show. <laughs> I, I guess I'm excited for this movie because obviously it has felt, they didn't just drop it on Disney+. Plus. It has felt important that they release this in theaters to open up this next phase of theatrical storytelling that might connect to future Disney Plus releases, but still is intended for these for this audience to open up this cinematic universe into the new phase. And well, so yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, if they did want to put out a Black Widow movie, you know, during phase two or whatever, you know, after Civil War, they would have done it, but they saved it um, and chose to put this out as a segue into a new phase of storytelling. So why... Hopefully that will pay off. Um, I'm trying to maintain hope about it. I think one of the reasons they didn't release it earlier is because there was this weird thing where like, I don't know, uh, Disney or Marvel or whoever, like the higher ups didn't believe a female led like uh, superhero movie would work. And then Wonder Woman came out and they're like, oh, it can work. Um, so now they want to go back and do it with their like big woman character, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting now seeing the difference because Black Widow is staying and going to go to theaters, but Wonder Woman 84 went to streaming. And I think that's because AT&T, who now owns Warner Brothers and HBO Max, is not, has not like traditionally been in the business of like releasing movies. They're in like the tech business and they want to support their streaming service. And HBO or and Warner Brothers and HBO Max are their assets. So they're using the movies that they have to promote the mm. streaming service they want to get better but Disney has been making movies since like what the forties and they know that like uh, the theatrical experience is where this needs to be and how this franchise is going to continue to go on. Like if you put a movie that like from this giant Marvel movie franchise onto Disney plus, it kind of like weakens the brand of Marvel. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I feel like people are feeling that with uh, the DC movies, like Wonder Woman, went to HBO Max. The next one, The Suicide Squad's going to HBO Max. Like, uh, the Zack Snyder Justice League's going to HBO Max. Like, is that just a streaming franchise now? Maybe that's what people are going to think. But the people at Disney are, we don't want people to even, like, have the potential of thinking that, so we're going to save it for Yeah, and maybe it's also a separation between, like, this new phase of Marvel storytelling they want to do for Disney+. And they look at Black Widow and they say, that's not what this is for. This is meant to segue to the cinematic world. Um, and perhaps, I don't, was WandaVision always planned to be the first of these Disney Plus series? No. Uh, the first Disney Plus series was actually supposed to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. But interesting. Then so they delayed. had to like retool that a little bit. Uh-huh. It's interesting because WandaVision was supposed to be the fourth piece of Phase 4, but now it's the first. Yeah. It was supposed to be Black Widow and the Eternals and... Falcon and the Winter Soldier were all supposed to come out before it, but they couldn't come out. But WandaVision was able to. I think like there was some production delays on Falcon and the Winter Soldier because they were filming overseas in a country that was in lockdown. 
Interesting. But I think they just filmed all of WandaVision on a soundstage because that plays towards the, like the thing they're doing with TV and the talk of that, which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting because it's like, it feels like WandaVision should be the first thing it to be about the TV shows because it's all like meta about TV shows. So it kind of worked out for them in a weird workaround way, but I don't know. I guess that just like, you know, shows the strength of Marvel is that they're able to adapt and like, you know, hey, it doesn't really matter if this comes out before this. We can just like retool like a couple words because always like when they're setting up a new movie or something like, it's not much, like it's a throwaway line here or there, but like it makes you feel like it's connected. Yeah, like, exactly. That Doctor Strange and the Winter Soldier movie but then Doctor Strange didn't come out for years to come. Well, and also this is sort of like all separate pieces of like first introductions to, you know, this new life for WandaVision, this new whatever setup Falcon Winter Soldier. It's not like it's all of a sudden you're having to change between like, oh shoot, now we have to put out like Endgame before Infinity War or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's not mm-hmm. the culmination of storytelling. It's they're, they're now in the sort of like re-entry phase. And I think they have the ability to kind of shuffle things around a little bit more right now than they would have you know, yeah. a couple more years down the line where they're like, oh, now we're kind of in a rough spot because this specific storytelling was have, had to unfold in this specific way and it's not going to do that. And I'm really glad that we were lucky enough for that to happen and the pandemic didn't hit us earlier. And oh my God, if it pushed Avengers Endgame back, holy shit. Like, everyone would have just been dead forever. Like, it was just, stopped. we were still just like waiting. It was like the last Marvel movie to come out was Ant-Man and the Wasp and we're just like, what the fuck? What is happening? We would have just been speculating for years and years. And then, like, the movie comes out and we're like... What do you think? You think they would have put Endgame on Disney Plus? No way. Did you see how much money that made? It's the highest grossing movie of all time. I know, but also for the fans. We needed to know what happened. No. They care more about money than the fans. But they couldn't have done anything. Like, WandaVision, they couldn't have done it with out in game like they couldn't continue their even their side storytelling without putting in game out yeah that's true so they got lucky i think yeah um but yeah cool well all right well that's the end of our list that's all the movie is coming out in 2021 at least the ones that were pushed to 2021 that we want well, to talk about today all, it's all the ones we wanted to talk about today um this has been like a little bit off the cuff like more discussion less structured episode hope you like it if you don't, oh well, it's over now, and we're gonna do the previewees next, and everyone loves yeah. that. Next, next, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have our previewee nomination ceremony. It'll be very exciting mm-hmm. uh, to find out what we ha- think were some of the best performances in movies of 2020. Um, and yeah, yeah, who knows? Just like every other award show, the previewees has been delayed, <laughs> but hey, that's life now. Um, I hope you continue living life and enjoying your day. We're not going to ask our questions about which movie you're most excited to see from this list because it's a lot of shit. Um, But we are going to say like uh, and subscribe on all our platforms. We're on everywhere you listen to the podcasts. We're on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Preview Review. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.